the scariest part of it were the very dark days. Um, I would go in every week and be like, when is this going to be over? When is this going to end? When am I going to stop feeling so awful? And she was just like, I can't, I can't tell you that. I don't know. Today's story is about anxiety and depression. Those scary things that even though we've gotten better about talking about in our society, we still don't talk about enough. Not in polite conversation. And I'm sort of all about talking about the things that no one else wants to talk about in polite conversation. So I'm really glad that Kathy decided to share her story. She is just like a lot of us who have gone through this. She has a family and kids and a business that she runs, and she's had to deal with this for most all of her life. As a society, we're taught to share the sides of ourselves that are happy and positive, but we don't want to let anybody know about the sad or the dark or the depressing or the stressful. So many of us, when we go through this, feel all alone, and yet there are so, so many people out there that are going through this. I feel like the more light we can shine on it and the more that we can talk about it, the easier it will be for people to own the fact that, yes, they too are part of a big group of people who suffer from these things. My hope is that in listening to this, if you're experiencing any sort of anxiety or depression, maybe you'll feel a lot less alone. And maybe we'll start to be more honest with each other about the things that are a little bit more difficult to talk about, but are part of real life. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you. I know that at some point you'll probably talk about this as we get going as well, but I know you were probably, we talked about how, about how hesitant you were yes. to even really do this. So I'm super impressed that you decided to. It's <laughs> <laughs> the first thing, so thank you. Oh, well, thank you. It's um, really a great thing to do. I think, it, um, I think it'll help me too. As, that's, um, that's what I'm hoping. I think so. My my husband's really supportive. He's like, oh, that's the best thing you could go do today. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. I never saw it that way. But yeah. Would you, you know, shudder if someone else, if you were listening to someone else's story? And I'm like, well, of course not. And he's like, of course not. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that? And that's one of the reasons, you know, I have this laundry list of reasons that I'm collecting to write about, about why I do the project. Right, yeah. like what inspired me to do this and what is keeping me doing it, and and that's that's definitely part of it. Like we we wouldn't judge other people the way we judge ourselves. No, not at all. And yet, here's all these things that we hide because we're so afraid to tell the truth. Oh, I was sitting at lunch um, with our mutual friend Mike um, last week or the week before. I can't remember. And Jenny, my business partner, and I think I let something slip about anxiety and depression. And I afterwards felt like I'd come out. <laughs> yes. And I was like, wait a minute, is yes. this supposed to feel that way? But it, it does. did. Any secret that you tell that you've been Hi hiding yeah. for any reason does feel that way. And, you know, and in retrospect, I'm like, okay, those are two of the easiest people in the world to have, you know, divulged something like that to. So but it still it's felt like good. a big deal to you, right? Right. All right. It did. So, so there you go. What is this story and when did it happen? kind of thing. It's been mostly, a, it's been a lifelong thing. Um, I think I was probably okay until I was about eight or nine. And then 
my dad left for the first time I was aware of. He had left earlier in my life, and I had been told he was going on vacation, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's kind of when it started. And then it got worse as I got into high school, anxiety, depression, severe depression. And I think what's always helped me are the strong connections, if I can find any. And in high school, I did. And so I had people to sort of buoy me up a little bit. And because they were all in similar situations, either divorce or, you know, children of suicide or, you know, all kind adopted, all kinds of stories. The stories, you know, you have when you're 16, 17, that's where they start, you know, where they've already started and you're coming to terms with them at that point. So I was lucky to have a crew around me um, who's going through similar stuff. So I didn't feel that out of place. And then moving into college, college was a complete aberration because (laughs) I had, you know, the dorm setting, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, A lot of connection around you at every turn and a lot of people you become really comfortable around really fast. And so college was a joy because enjoying the connections that I had with um, my peers. and it was a great thing. I think the times that have been worse for me are the times where I feel disconnected. Like I moved to Arizona by myself. Um, I was like 25 or something, and I didn't know anybody. And it was a really lonely year, and it was a really hard year. Now I still have friends from there. Um, so you did end up making friends while you were there? Yeah, but I think most of the people I met were connected in some way with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or okay. a family or something, the connections that I didn't have. Um, there because I moved there knowing nobody. So you have this sort of long history yeah, that we're very. talking about with anxiety and depression. Yeah. And so you started out with this as a kid. Yeah. And you were aware of it. I don't think I was aware of it until even through high school. I don't think I okay. really came to terms with it until I was in my 30s. Yeah. So you know about it subconsciously, but you don't really acknowledge it, deal with it, get not Help until talk my about it. 30s, yeah. I think in retrospect, I've turned around and looked back on my life and found out the places where it started and where it came from. And um, even though I didn't know I was affected back then, how it affected me back sure, then. Sure, so, sure. It's so much easier to look back and say, like, oh, this is what was going yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. Um, but no, I was here. I had... Um, gone into UNE actually to go into one of the first years they had their teacher training program and I was Mm -hmm. gonna I didn't know what to do I was in a job I didn't like at all the hours were horrible the pay was bad and so I was thinking I need a way out and so I went back to school and my husband was a teacher and everyone I knew it seemed at the time was a teacher because you know the school is such a center of our existence sure and um went back and did really well in all my classes the people were really nice really great but I was freaking out um, where other people weren't freaking out and I would say to them you know oh man you know well, what are you gonna do when the parents get angry at you and what are you gonna do when they have a problem with what you're doing and what are you gonna do like that was sort of my thing and they're all like I don't know you know I'll just kind of roll with it or you know they all had their various strategies because they weren't freaking out and mm-hmm. I had great grades, I had done well going through, there was no reason I was supposed to feel differently than they did. And I mean, even though I feel like I wasted a lot of money going back and doing it, it's what got me into therapy. I knew, and it was almost an instant thing, like I had a classmate who was super laid back, and I was just like, 
wow, compared to her, I am a bundle of crazy. And so So I, was that experience being at school with all these people and, and talking to them and realizing I'm obviously coming from a place of super anxiety. Yeah. And they're not even worried about it. Right. I mean, they were mildly concerned. They're like, oh, you know, right. there'll be bad days. But but not to the level. No. That, so, so was that the moment that, that the light bulb turned on? Yeah. And it was a quick thing because I came home. I asked my husband because I knew a mutual friend of ours was in therapy. I said, call this person. I need a name. I need somebody to call. I need somebody to go to soon. The person... Um, I was with her as a therapist for like 11 years, 11 and a half years, wow. and only left because she retired. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, no, enough, enough, no. Certainly credit that experience with really changing my life in a huge way, and it was bit by bit, and it was very, very dark um, for a number of years. Then it wasn't, you know. Yeah, that was one of the things that that I usually talk to people about is, you know, of course, looking back at, at an experience, it's so much easier to have perspective. Mm -hmm. So for you, you know, you dealt with this from the time that you were little, but you didn't really come to terms with it or acknowledge it in getting help until you were an adult. Yeah, I was married. I had, I Do didn't have, have any kids yet, okay. but the darker part of the process covered the early part of their lives, or one of them anyway. Right. Not so much the second, but the first. Yeah. I ask him about it sometimes, and he's like, oh, I vaguely remember you crying a lot. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're only one, so, right, right. you know. And, yeah, there was a summer where I basically didn't sleep the whole summer just because I was going through all this stuff. You know, I'd be sitting on my back porch at 3 a.m., you know. Oh, my gosh. And it was just that way, and I had a one-year-old. And luckily, my husband is a teacher, so he was off in the summer, so he's like. He was able to help you? Yeah, he was really instrumental he's been instrumental all the way through right. in, in all of this happening had I not had a support I'm not sure it would have happened I feel like that is definitely a common thread no matter what the stories are that I'm hearing is yeah. having a support system is absolutely key to getting through anything <laughs> period it, he's he's gone through a lot I think one day I came home and I announced I didn't like our house I didn't like the way it was decorated <laughs> I was like I'm not in here anywhere you know and, you know, we had inherited things because, you know, as this is all happening, his grandparents pass away. Right. They have to empty right. their house. His mom moves. She empties her house. And I'm just like, I don't want their stuff around. This is my house, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I don't like things that are broken. You know, I... Yeah, you just had... You had a list. I did. And it came from that place of... of anxiety and depression it wasn't necessarily right and I'm really grateful he's not like oh well sorry this is we've already been through this you know right. we, we're not going to change everything you know he was really receptive to okay well what can we do to make this more you know and I had had a hobby of oil painting once a week and so now a bunch of my paintings are up everywhere my photographs are up and um that's so. really awesome it's really pretty cool. And we're looking together, much more together, for a new house. And it wasn't that he had pushed me aside in any way. It was just that I never inserted myself in the conversation. I was just like, whatever you want, whatever yeah. you like. There's a real lesson there. Again, yeah. being able to look back and, and see the ways that you did things mm -hmm. through a certain filter or because of what you were going through. Right. And I think um, in the beginning, the push and pull of a normal relationship made me really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just like, oh, we're going to go through this and, yeah. you know, we're going to come out in the end with something both of us, yeah, you right? know. So much more balanced. <laughs> yeah. So much different. Yeah. How do you feel like having this 
anxiety and depression has changed you? Or, or you know, when I, you look back, or maybe it's the change that you had after you got help. Like, what do you think about that that piece? It's odd. I look at my kids who are growing up without some of the circumstances, I think, that contributed to it. Um, and I'm like, wow, I wonder what they're going to do because they're completely unfettered. And not completely. Like, my son right. has his own level of anxiety, which sure is genetic in some way. And But my daughter is like laid back and happy and I'm like wow I wonder how it's gonna turn out for her because she's got the world by the Mm -hmm. you know and she's gonna whatever she decides what's gonna happen you know I have this whole pod of girls at school with her and I'm like yeah that one that one that one they're just like self-assured they're strong yeah and I'm like, I wonder if that's what I would have been like in some ways. Mm. And I don't know the answer yeah. to that. There's no way to know how much of it is genetic and that I would have come out with anyway. Right, um, right. So it's interesting. I look at the two of them and I'm I'm somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, now my son, I will say, is pretty happy kid. And he's always like, oh, you know, I'm having such a happy childhood. And I'm like, oh, that's he's so really self-aware. good. He is incredibly self-aware oh gosh, and inc- incredibly empathetic, which for a 10-year-old boy. That's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. Foster that. So, um, Foster that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't have to. He's fantastic. It's really nice, too, I think, obviously, because for you, you have it on your radar to worry about your children and so to see that they're both doing pretty well I'm sure is somewhat of a relief because when you do have this I mean I know from my history I have had struggles with both of those things as well and it's just something you automatically worry about yeah so was there anything that someone else could have done to make it easier or you know I know you've (laughs) talked about your husband being this huge help for you talk a little bit about that I think I had I don't know if it was an unusual experience or not with my parents' divorce. I think um, my mom was sort of defeated by the time it all came down. And my dad left four times and back and forth and back and forth. Had all that not happened, it might have been a little different. They were really young when they had me. And so they were young when they were going through all of this stuff, too, and back and forth and back and forth. Um, I think that sort of definitely took its toll. and I think in retrospect, my mom realizes it and we've sort of come to terms with it and, you know, we're friends and she's coming to visit in a few weeks and it's all good. Um, you know, but she's still, you know, we're still mother daughter. There's still, you know, the normal stuff there, but it's all normal. Yeah. My dad, however, like, I think that I described to you earlier today, a period where I um, spent all my money traveling after college yeah, yeah. and ended up on his doorstep. <laughs> I think during that time period, I was in my mid-20s, and he's like, oh, did the divorce ever affect you? And I was like, I need to leave the room now. Right, right, <laughs> Like, right. I need to go somewhere else and just mm, have my quiet time and process this. And he won't talk about it. I'm a good guy. I'm like... Oh, really? So he wanted to talk about it, but his perspective is still, like, a little bit on the that that page of, like, it was all okay. It was all fine. They made it, and they're happy, and they're grown, and they're, you know... And their divorce was particularly nasty and, yeah, long. and long. I mean, okay. even the time they were in the um, in with attorneys and stuff, because my sister, during that time period, became 18, and so then they had to go through a whole other thing <laughs> with her deciding where she was going to land um, my first year of college when I was away. So, um, or she was 17 the last year, but wanted to make a switch. Right. Oh, wow. So they had to go through all that again. Um, yeah. So that turmoil. 
It was sounds a, like it was a big part of what you were going it through. It was every day. And that's, I think from an early age, both my sister and I realized we weren't going to spend our lives there because there was no room for us mm-hmm. to grow as people. And I certainly found that having returned in my mid-20s for a year. And I was, I would rather have gone to Arizona where I knew nobody than, than stay. To, to go through that again. Right. So I was done. I was finished. And, you know, I'm miss there were good things about being there i have great aunts and uncles my sis my youngest sister is still there and Um, where is this kansas city okay but for you it sounds like at at some level while you may not have been acknowledging directly that you had this anxiety and depression you figured out okay for me the best thing for me to do is to get away from this yeah so you did just felt to distance yourself like yeah it felt inherently so obviously suffocating Mm -hmm. all the time you know in high school I think I was trying to figure out how to become an emancipated minor I was trying to figure out how to because I had friends in high school who were okay and they were in their own apartments and I'm like okay I'm just gonna move out you know yeah and you know my mom would stand in front of my car so I couldn't literally could not go Mm -hmm. um stuff like that Mm -hmm. so um went to college I was still 17 I was young for my grade yep and so I I got out that way but I only got as far as Lawrence Kansas (laughs) which you weren't too far away I was 40 miles away okay um which going there turned out to be a fantastic thing and made great friends and love love that town but um but it didn't make your anxiety and depression go away I tried I was trying to get farther away I was looking at Boston and Washington DC and and places like that to get away to but then there was no money for college because there had been a divorce right 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 (laughs) I was like oh they're like okay you can go to KU K-State or MU and I'm like all local yeah so I think you know but the other piece of that is that it really wouldn't have mattered how far you went as you no. continued to experience, even though right. you had some good experiences in, in there. And you said, you know, you made, you loved college and you made good friends and you went to Arizona and you, you know, it was a really hard year, but you have people that you're still in touch with. Yeah. No matter where you went or what happened, you know, anxiety and depression lives with you. Right. And I don't think at the time, I think at the time it was a good idea to physically right. go away because there were other things that put could some distance. put some distance. <laughs> indeed. But I think that... I think that's what shocked me when I got a little bit older and spent time farther away was that it was still with me. Right. I couldn't physically leave it behind. So, What do you think that you learned from this story for yourself? Like, Obviously, you are still dealing with this in your own ways. You've mm. had therapy. You've dealt with a lot of this. Do you still deal with it on a regular basis? And, and what did you learn from your experience of having this you know, into adulthood? Um, I think empathy would be my biggest thing. Um, I still, to this day, think that I'm the only one. Somewhere in my brain, I think I'm the only (laughs) one this has ever happened to, which obviously is not true, and everybody's had their stuff. And I'm I'm always of two minds, and it's the strangest thing. I have a very logical mind where I'm like, of course, everybody else has done this. And then I have this other side of me where it's like, oh, I'm all alone, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think... It's made it easier for me to spot other people who have it and sort of give them the support that they need. And Mm. I'm sort of going through that with one person that I don't know very well right now. But I'm like, you know, you should really step back and be a little more helpful. She's obviously going through something. Right. And so I think think that's been one of the takeaways. 
it's, it's interesting to look and say, okay, what have I learned from this? And the fact that you said empathy, I, I love that. I yeah. absolutely think that's fantastic because if there's anything that we could, you could take away that's going to be really beneficial to others, yeah. that's huge. And I've tried to spread that in as many directions as I can. Like with my mother and I, she was willing to talk about it. Yeah. We sort of hash things out and it's it's good. And, you know, for the most part, hers was not a huge role in everything that happened. I would love to spread it out to my dad. And I think I've tried over the past years, but it just, it's just hard. Yeah, and you know, the thing that we have to understand or that I've learned is that sometimes we want something to happen that's just not going to happen and we have to accept it for what yes, it is. Yes, right? absolutely. I think he's made it very clear. It's like you either take me the way I am or not right, at all. And it's right. like, okay, well, I wish I could spread the understanding to people who are, you know, more immediate family-wise to me. I can do it with friends. I can do it with strangers. Right. I can do it with people I don't know so well. But sometimes that is easier than the people closest to us. Yeah. Because you haven't had, you have no history. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I just see you as a person in the grocery store. Yeah. I really hope you have a better day. Right. Yeah. Or on There's Facebook, no you're like, I'm sorry, your day was awful. I hope it's great tomorrow. You right. Know. In that vein, do you have advice that you would give to other people who are going through this? You know, that's, that's kind of a big... <laughs> I think the scariest part of it were the very dark days. Um, the summer of, was it 2007? 2007 I would go in every week and be like when is this going to be over when is this going to end when am I going to stop feeling so awful and she was just like I can't I can't tell you that I don't know and but I mean if you stick with it if you make the effort and you got to stop lying to yourself too if you just lay it all out there in a safe place with a safe person it'll it'll work out you know, and but you got to throw yourself into the whole thing. You can't hold back. I mean, and, and it's the time and the place to get it all gone or get it all out anyway. It doesn't go, but it, it transforms if you bring it out there. I always think that this most, you know, 90% of the solution to any problem is first recognizing the problem and Absolutely. then speaking about it. Yep. And once it's out there, then it's a problem. Then it's, you know, somehow a little bit more external. Yes. And then it can be dealt with, and then you have someone there to help you. So I would think, and I always felt so bad, like I'd go in there and sit there and talk about myself all the time. All I talked about was myself. And she's like, well, that's kind of what we're here right. for. Right. That is <laughs> this is kind point. of about you. And But I think it's well worth anybody's time. And if you don't find somebody great at first, I was lucky. Right. Keep hopping around. You know, there, there are good people out there. There are bad people out there too, but there are good people out there as well. I think I went through several people as a therapist that I was like, you are not a good fit for me. It just yeah. didn't, we didn't click or it didn't work. And then I found somebody absolutely life-changing. It's sort of what we were talking about um, at the beginning about sharing things, not hiding them, putting them out on the table. Because the more alone you feel, the more alone you make yourself, yeah. the harder it is. Because that's a natural thing. And I still get into that every so often yeah. where I, all I want to do is go home and sit curled up in the corner I mean I don't have those days where I can't get out of bed that's never been the kind of depression I've had I call it high functioning depression because you still get out of bed you still go through your day you still put on a good face and you still you know get through your day but it's just not any fun 
there are times when I'm like, oh my god, I need carbohydrates, and I need to curl up in a corner and hide under the table for a couple hours. Yeah. But the time period is much shorter, and I've watched it get shorter over yes. the years to the point where if I've inadvertently, like I inadvertently upset someone last night via email, and this morning I was just like, oh my god, you know. But I spend, you know, 10 or 15 minutes in that, oh my god, what did I do? How could I have done that zone? Right. And then, you know, you work through that in 10 or 15 minutes instead of 10 or 15 days. Yes. (laughs) And then you're like... It doesn't send you into a permanent tailspin. No, (laughs) it doesn't. And whereas before it used to. Yeah. And so now I'm like, oh my God, I totally hurt your... You know, I didn't mean this. Right. You apologize. You make the amends you can make and then you move on. I feel like those are all important elements of taking care of ourselves, especially when you have something like anxiety and depression and it's funny one of the things that before we finish talking that I did want to address or or ask you about was I know that sort of in the back of your mind you were thinking about the project and then I don't remember the whole thing but I remember when I posted an article on Facebook that you read yeah. from this woman and I don't remember if it was from Huffington Post or some other I place I can't remember either yeah but she was sort of owning and talking about living with this and how much she hit it and talk to me a little bit about like you made this decision to do this with me and I was really excited and I realized how much we try to hide things well I think at first I was afraid because I am supposed to be this very competent skilled business person you know right that my (laughs) clients (laughs) yeah I know right like Like my clients I was afraid people would be like oh you know I'm afraid she's not gonna you know be able to come through for me so I mean that's even part of the reason I just brought up I don't have the kind of depression where I end up in bed and there's nothing right wrong with the people who do who do right I'm still functioning you know yes yes Um, yes yes. and I'm more than functioning now um but yeah it was it was a fear of a lot of things um just people knowing I think but as I've gone through and I think I've talked to a couple of different people and seen their reactions were really positive yeah and then, you know, just not wanting to be ashamed of it for somebody else that I don't want to be ashamed of it. You know, I don't want someone else out there to feel shame either. So that's sort of the part that, you know, this woman was sharing her stuff. And I'm like, well, why can't I just, you know, man up and do the same thing? Because it's going to make somebody else less ashamed of their imperfections, which we all have in droves. So. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I read an article this morning about the same thing, about talking to our kids about our imperfections. It's, I'm so grateful that you did this. I'm Um, grateful to you for having (laughs) me go through the process because it's been great. I think that, again, that's why I'm doing this project. I mean, I felt the same way. I have my own story. I have yet to record it in in a podcast. Yeah, I know. She's pointing her finger at me. (laughs) Your turn. (laughs) And it will be. And But that was the thing that I realized is like, oh, I can't tell my story because then no one would think I'm actually a good photographer or that I'm a good business person or that I can be taken seriously. You know, I'm going to be judged for all these things. Exactly. I think it's the judgment part. I mean, yeah. and I don't want to throw any horrible stuff out there, but I grew up, you know, feeling constantly judged for whatever reason. And it's still something that I, I cringe at. You know, I definitely will cower away from if I feel like somebody's going to throw out some huge judgment. I'm like, okay, see you later. Yeah. Because I just don't need it. Yeah. I mean, it's not anybody else's job to judge you. So I think, too, if one of the things that I have realized through this project is a couple pieces. One, those 
those people that are judging us mm. are not people we would spend our time with, no. are not people that we would be friends with or that we want to have any connection with. What we do want are people that would support us, like you just said, along with all of our imperfections, yeah. right? And so what I've realized is in talking to people, the more that I share or the more I hear someone else's story, the bigger of an empath or the bigger my heart becomes. Like, those are the kind of people we're going to, and we're going to find each other. Yeah. And that's what this project is about. And that's what about sharing is about, right? Like, yeah. I want to help you. You want to help me. We're all in this together. Let's all be kind to each other, despite what we have, you know, in our back pockets. Well, <laughs> and the more times I hear people say the judgment, the judging people, the critical people are not the people you want in your life. The more I hear that, the more it reinforces it for me. So to hear you say it and then yeah. turn around in a week and be in a conversation with someone else who says it, or if I reach out and Facebook to some old friends who definitely respond in that way it you know I have to hear things like 30 times from 30 different people to be like oh okay so it's everybody now it's not just oh you know, absolutely me and this other person or something so I always take comfort in not being alone that's a good thing for me <laughs> right and it ties back into all of your other stuff like getting getting support not being by ourselves thank you so so oh, much Kathy. thank you this has been wonderful I would love it if you shared it with your friends I am actively looking for more women to take part in the podcast. So if you or anyone you know would like to be part of it, I would love for you to go on over and fill out the contact form on my website. You can find me at jendeanphotography.com and there is a page for the project. I love this quote by Jillian Pransky where she says, when you express your story, you become a healing agent for yourself and others. I couldn't agree more. I have more stories coming for you really soon. Thank you so much to Keith Kenneth of Unseen Music for the fabulous theme music for this podcast.